Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. It's 105 in Edmonton, hour number two of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now, which is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Wishing you and yours all the best during these challenging and uncertain times. Hugh Porter and the staff at Digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. In this hour, uh, we'll have our Oilers Now injury report for James H. Brown injury lawyers. We'll do this day in Oilers history. It pertains to the 2010 NHL draft for New West Travel. My play-by, one of my two uh, radio brands, Podcast partners, uh, Jack Michaels, who also works in NHL Hockey and Rogers, will join us at 135 today. But as promised, we're going to head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline and welcome back to the show a man whose job is to glean information, make his own observations, and come up with a prospectus on each draft class. We are joined by Corey Pronman. Corey, how you doing? Hi, Bob. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, I, I missed you on the trails this year. Uh, I think the last time I saw you in a non-draft situation was in San Jose about a week and a half ago bef- uh, before Edmonton made a man- management change back in 2019. How different of a last 15, 16 months has it been for you, a guy who would go to various events? Did you end up at the U18? Maybe give us a, a bit of a sense of how things change from your end. Yeah, I'm located in the United States, so I, uh, we've, you know, once I was able to start traveling again, uh, especially once I was vaccinated, I was able to go to a couple of things, uh, USHL games, college hockey games, NTDP games, and, and I was at the U18 Worlds uh, for the duration. I'm going to head out to a couple of, uh, of camps uh, this coming weekend, but in terms of being able to go uh, to Canada, particularly, never mind Europe, uh, that part has been different. And I think it's been the same thing for a lot of NHL teams. You, you have the, whether the scouts are based in, in Canada, or the United States, or the Europe, or, um, you know, guys have been able to scout their areas. And we've had to do video work on the guys who are not in your country. And teams have been doing video work beforehand, but it usually would be a, a duo between video and live in, in this season. And a little bit of last season was – you, know, you see the guys you can see live, and you've got to do video on the rest, essentially. 
So no combine this year as well, which is where we'd sometimes see that as well, because I know Jack and myself went to every combine from, well, I went from every combine from the Hall Combine in 2010 all the way up to last year. Uh, I, I don't think the combine matters as much, obviously, as the NFL. Is that an overblown part of it, or is it an important part of it for the potential prospects? Uh, I would say it's not it's not critical, but there's a couple of things that could have some importance. I think the most important thing for me in the combine is the ability to do medical evaluations of these players, which especially coming out of a pandemic, I think would be a very important thing uh, to do. You saw, for example, what happened with Marco Rossi after the Wild drafted him. He had a COVID complication that kept him out for the duration of the season. It seems like he is thankfully going to be healthy and will be back next season, but teams won't have the opportunity to do medical evaluations of these top prospects. And the other aspect is the interview portion. Teams are still doing interviews of players, but it's very uh, organized in a one-by-one fashion through Zoom, as opposed to having NHL Central Scouting bring all these players together and kind of have them go from room to room in in a very efficient manner. All right. Uh, Does analytics become more or less important in a year in which you don't have as many viewings? Is it even a part of amateur scouting, maybe the way it would be in pro scouting evaluation? I think analytics has the same complications that it, that comes with just watching the players and that uh, the context have changed a little bit. Uh, you know, we, um, we'll talk probably about Dylan Gentner and Sebastian uh, Cosa uh, yeah. shortly, but the WHL is a great example. You know, when you would do statistical analysis, of the WHL. It was based on the WHL as a whole, but the WHL really this season was four distinct leagues. And what was the quality of each of those four leagues? I, you know, those, I think that's a question that a lot of teams have, both from a scouting perspective, when you're trying to match up what you're seeing on, on the ice, you know, how good is this division versus the other division? And from a statistical perspective, you know, how, you know, if, if you know, if you we, we would have played, you know, whatever Spokane Everett Portland during the course of the season, how would that have changed the production? I think these are some tough questions that will make a challenge will make the challenging season even more challenging. From the Athletic, Corey Probin, Bob Stoffer with you in order sale. Let's get to it, Corey. On your mock draft, you got a pair of players from Michigan at number one and number two overall. Uh, no surprise, uh, Owen Power. He's is it is he clearly the number one guy right now for this upcoming draft? I think going into the World Championships, there were still some debates out there among scouts I talked to. I think still most if not, you know, the overwhelming most of them had uh, powers the first, but there was a little bit like maybe it's Veneers, maybe it's maybe it's Genther, uh, maybe it's Eklund. Uh, but I think after his amazing world championships, I think he kind of silenced all doubt, and he should be the first overall pick next month. Seattle got the second pick, and you have Veneers at number two. Why? Uh, I think there's just... The more I talk to people around the league, the more I get the sense that he's, you know, whether he goes two or three, he's still, he's going to be one of the very first picks and the, and the first center off the board. Uh, he's not an extremely dynamic skill type, but people, uh, uh, teams view him as this extremely intelligent, hardworking, uh, two-way center with speed who 
you they you kind of will talk about in terms of some of the better two-way centers in the league, whether it's O'Reilly, Bergeron, not saying he's going to be that good, but they say he can be that kind of really reliable 17, 18, 19 minutes a night center who plays all situations. And that's why he is very, being very highly touted right now. We're joined by Corey Prodman, Bob Stoffer with you in orders now. All right. You got Dylan Gunther at number three. Now I saw Dylan and I saw Dylan play seven games a season and Kosa play, uh, eight, uh, Gunther was gone, obviously, for the U18. Just on the U18, Canada has depth. When when Canada has all their players available, it's a different situation in other countries. I think we'd agree on that. Did the performance of guys that are not draft eligible this year, but in the future, Shane Wright and Connor Bedard, did that maybe, uh, you know, overshadow Gunther a bit? And do you think he may... You know, there were some people that thought he might be number two overall because of his scoring ability. Could he be a guy that might slide a bit as a result of the fact that, you know, he's a point per game for Canada, but he wasn't as dynamic, at least in that tournament, as uh, either Connor Bedard or Shane Wright? Yep, I think that's completely fair. And, and talking to scouts coming out of that tournament, there wasn't, I think everyone still really liked the player, but there wasn't a lot of, you know, of extreme enthusiasm for him as a top five, top three guy. Just based on that tournament, I think you talk to teams around the league and they know it's a balance between what they've seen the last season and a half in, with, with the Oil Kings uh, versus what he showed at that tournament. Uh, at that tournament, he often was playing with Shane Wright, and I think anybody who kind of would watch that, that line play would say uh, Shane Wright was the driver of that line. There was a little bit more of a deference to having him be the primary zone entry guy, primary scoring chance creator on that line. But don't get their thoughts. I still thought played very well. Uh, I thought he had a pretty strong tournament. One of Canada's best players. I think he led all their forwards in ice time. So I don't, I don't think he had a bad tournament. But I think you compare to how he looked in the WHL in the abbreviated season, which there's sample size issues in all these things, whether it's the WHL or the U18s. But based on you know based on his play in the WHL, he looked exceptional and a guy who could potentially push to be higher than even third overall. Yeah, uh, he had 12 goals, 24 points in 12 games. One touch score. I mean, that, you know, I've watched, like, I, I think of Jake Dabrowskin and Joffrey Lupo. Those guys were good WHL players, went in the top 15 of the NHL draft. Neither guy is an elite one-touch score. Gunther can uh, change his ankle on his release. He he can he to me he's a more skilled right-handed shooting version of a guy like Kyle Connor, who's a hell of a player. Uh, you know, three-time thirty-plus goal scorer. I got something for you here, though. Just on Gunther, uh, you got him listed as a right wing. He's played right wing almost exclusively. I think we both know he's going back to junior next year. And depending upon what happens in the WHL draft, I could foresee Dylan Gunther playing center next year in the Edmonton Oil Kings. And uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's an intriguing one for me. Yeah, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, obviously, I presume Neighbors will be back. I don't know if there's a guarantee or not. We'll see what happens at his Blues camp. But I, I think in general, if you know, presuming Genther comes back, no, there's never a guarantee. But presuming he does come back, you know, with him back and Neighbors and Costa, I mean, that's that team will be rather interesting. In terms of him playing center, I've never seen him play center before, but but in terms of how he plays, I view him as this. I think he has a lot of the aesthetic things that you you look for. He has the skill, the shots. He's a pretty strong skater, but I also think he's a really competitive two-way player. So I definitely could see him transition to center uh, if, if that's the direction they decide to go. 
Uh, you've got another Hughes, a run on the family, uh, fourth overall in Luke Hughes. Can't argue what you've certainly uh, seen out of Quinn Hughes in, in, in Vancouver in terms of the emergence on the back end. How similar is Luke Hughes to uh, his uh, brother, his oldest brother, Quinn? I would say there's, some of the things that are similar would be the skating. I'd say both of them are, are truly elite skaters, and that's you know a big reason why Luke is so highly touted. I think he has offensive skill, really good offensive skill, actually. But I wouldn't say it's the same caliber as Quinn. Quinn is a true you know PP one type in the NHL, a really dynamic offensive player. I think Luke's really good offensively, but not as dynamic. And the other big factor between them is that you know Quinn's I think like five foot. Ten and Luke is six foot two. He 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 got the the size uh, uh, gene that neither of his brothers got. Uh, so I think those are some those are some differences between the two players. And we should mention New Jersey's got the fourth pick. Obviously, Jack Hughes is already in New Jersey. You have Simon Edvinson, uh at five in your mock draft. There are some people that had him as high as two. Uh, now Sweden got absolutely obliterated by Canada in the two games at the U18. What was your overall assessment on Edvinson when you saw him in that tournament? I don't think he had the tournament that if you went in there hoping to see a top five, top three pick, uh, you saw him play up to that level. I still thought he was a very good player in the tournament. Six uh, four, mobile. Some you know showed some pretty good skill moments. Uh, physical. He's, he's a great player, but I don't think you know if especially in a short season where where these short samples mean so much. I don't. I think his stock probably went down a little bit after that tournament. Did Mason McTavish's stock go up? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, again, that's another example of the short season and what these events. These events always change things, but this one definitely did. Uh, you know, now you're McTavish. I'm hearing, you know, you hear discussion that he's for sure going to go top ten, might even go top five. Uh, you know, he was one of Canada's best players in their gold medal effort. Uh, showed a lot of dimensions in his skills, playmaking, goal scoring, great work ethic. Skating is the kind of one reason if he didn't go up in that upper upper echelon. Would that would probably be the thing that would scare teams away? But in a draft without a lot of guys who you can confidently project as true NHL centers, uh, after Beniers is off the board, I think I don't think he's going to last very long. All right, so you've got Owen Power and Beniers both out of Michigan. Where do you have Kent Johnson, who's also a, a center out of Michigan? Yeah, and now he played wing uh, this season in Michigan. I think that's the question with Johnson is whether he's going to be a center or a wing in the National Hockey League. He played center when he was in junior. I have him uh, going, uh, I think in that mock draft, I had him going at nine to Vancouver. But I would say in general, that top nine, once you get past power at one, those that two to nine range of guys, uh, from based on my discussions around the league, those those uh, eight names could probably go in any order, with the variable even being if a goaltender were to go at any spot in the top nine, too. But I think those top nine skaters, after power, that is, that two to nine range skaters are pretty close up. All right. Uh, we are joined right now by Corey Prodman, Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers now. Corey's uh, been with the Athletic uh, for the last uh, couple seasons. Corey, uh, you mentioned the goalies. 
On your mock draft, you have the Ottawa Senators taking Jesper Wallstadt, uh, 10th, and the Chicago Blackhawks taking Sebastian Kosa, 11th. We will mention that, as you know, Ottawa took uh, uh, Hoberg uh, in the second round of 2019, and they took a Finnish goaltender in the third round in 2020. Um, Most people think both goalies go in the top 20. You think they could go in the top 11. Why? I mean, just, you know, based on my discussion with people around the league, they kind of expect them to go in that range. I think identifying which teams will take them will be the interesting uh, thought experiment. And uh, there's definitely a possibility that if there's a team picking below that top 12, 13 range that might want to make a play to go get one of those goalies, I can see that as completely possible. Uh, couple of names you probably can rule out in terms of teams with young goalies or a team like a Nashville that just use a high first round pick on a goaltender but it just that's that's basically roughly the range I'm I'm hearing teams valuing both of these names is is somewhere in that 10 to 15 range yeah maybe Dallas as well right with uh Ottinger and the Rangers with Shostorkin I mean I could see those three uh organizations sort of maybe going a little bit different path uh how close of a debate do you think it is between walls like is sebastian close close the gap a bit here yeah and i think it was really interesting season between the two of them because in the first half of the season obviously the whl wasn't playing uh and jesper walstead was playing very regularly in the shl and he was playing very well didn't play much of the world juniors but he played well when he got into games at the World Juniors. And then the second half of the season, he didn't play as well, didn't really get as many starts. And then Sebastian Kosa was just, you know, as good as you could have hoped for, not only in terms of his performance, but, you know, in terms of watching the goalie and seeing the, the pro attributes. Um, so I think you kind of saw, you know, Walsh, that stock was kind of sky high in the first half, and Kosa's didn't get really get a chance to play. And then as the second half developed, I think you started hearing more and more teams think that these guys are, are are rather close. Not every team I've talked to thinks that, but there's enough of them that think it's a, it's a really tough debate. Uh, the fact that the four finalists uh, in the respective conference finals all had goalies selected the first round, do you, because there, you know, for, there hasn't been a goaltender out of Canadian Major Junior Hockey go in the first round since Melton Subban back in 2012. Do you think the success of first-round pick goaltenders this year uh, in the NHL in the conference finals, do you think maybe that reinforces maybe you should be taken when you get a chance to take a guardian in the first round? Yeah, I mean, from, from people I've talked to in the league, I think there is definitely a – a growing uh, sentiment to, to doing that. If there's a guy who they really, really believe in, that they think it, it's worth the investment to get a real goaltender who could be a lasting part of your franchise and and be an important player uh, in a winner. Now, that doesn't mean you just take any goaltender. I think it, we've we've had a rather fortunate run here with Spencer Knight and Askarov and Walton and now Kosa, where you've had a lot of really talented goalies come in a run that we haven't seen in quite some time. Uh, but I definitely get the sentiment, especially when we, we when you talk to people who who are in the business of team building, that it's not always easy to find uh, that kind of corner piece goalie. They find they often have to just kind of find people to plug in, but but never that that true guy that can that, uh, bring you to the finish line or or at least help you win playoff rounds consistently. So I definitely feel like there is a more tolerance to taking on that risk of a first-round goalie.
Would not surprise me if the Rangers' 15th overall pick was in play. I could see them looking for a little bit of muscle. Uh, you have the Oilers at 19. That's where Edmonton's slotted right now. Brennan Othman, what can you tell us about this winger out of Flint? Uh, I think, yeah, Othman, I think will probably go right around where the Oilers are picking, whether it's, whether it's 19 or, you know, between somewhere between 15 to 20 is probably where I would mock him. I, I think Othman is a really a highly skilled goal scorer who has a little, some physicality in him. And I think you kind of look at that Oilers system and, uh, you know, where they are right now as a team and, and the prospects they have upcoming with Holloway and Broberg. And I think they will have an opportunity, whether it will be Offman, whether it will be Coronado or Sillinger or maybe even a guy like Oscar Olsen. I think there will be some talented goal scorers that they can have an opportunity to bring in there to to, you know, in three, four, five years, whenever they get there to play alongside uh, guys like McDavid and Dreisaitl. Did uh, Aturati and Fabian Lizell drop, in your opinion? Uh, over the course of the season, they did, yes. Okay. I wonder whether or not a guy like Lizell might make sense as well there. Uh, hey, look, appreciate your time. We'll do this again. Corey, thank you for joining us on Oilers Now, okay? And how do people follow you on Twitter? Uh, uh, at Corey Pryman, just uh, my name, and of course at The Athletic, where they can read my work. Awesome stuff. Thanks for doing the show, Corey. Yep, sure thing. Thank you. You bet. That's Corey Promen from The Athletic. It's 124 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Esk. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, with you, when we come back, we'll get to the Orders Now injury report for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Hi, this is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. 126 in Edmonton. There's an old saying in the car business, cars cost less than Wetaskiwin. I was talking to Uncle Milt out of Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin yesterday. They are committed to providing unequaled automotive excellence, resulting in completely satisfied lifetime customers. Uh, if you currently have a vehicle that you're not using enough, payments or interest rates that are too high, if you want to sell it, they're looking to buy vehicles at this time out of Brent Ridge Ford. Uh, you can refinance or trade in or do something different. Go visit the aforementioned Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang. Brent Ridge Ford. Give them a call, one 877 or visit brentridge.com. To NHL Today, it is presented by Elite Promotional Marketing, a company branded PPE available, including logoed masks. We have some up there. On the mass, by the way, all created in-house. Visit ElitePromoMarketing.com. Here's Brendan Escott. Game 7 tonight between the Lightning and Islanders with a date against Montreal in the Cup Final on the line. Face-off just after 6 o'clock here on 6.30. Chad, live from Amelie Arena in Tampa. 15 arrests were made during the celebration of the Habs win in downtown Montreal last night. Eight police cars vandalized in the Bedlam. And Pascal Vincent, who has long been the head coach of the Manitoba Moose, he's joining Brad Larson's staff in Columbus as an assistant on a three-year deal. Bruins just signed Trent Frederick to a two-year extension, $1.05 million. Hard-nosed, tough uh, fourth liner. Fought uh, uh, 
Tom Wilson a couple times over the last couple of seasons. All right, into the Oilers now. Injury report for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang of James H. Brown. They're the heavy hitters. Trent was a big hitter back in his days with the double uh, football club. The heavy hitters in injury law. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. What do you got, Brendan? Well, not so surprisingly, uh, John Cooper not tipping his hand, whether he knows or not. If Nikita Kucherov can go, he's going to be a game-time decision for Game 7 after leaving uh, Game 6 with that cross-check from Scott Mayfield. Eric Chernak remains questionable as well. Upper body injury there. I should mention that Kucherov did not skate this morning. Chernak did. So we'll see. He was a late scratch in Game 6. And uh, Islanders captain Anders Lee, he's he's been skating with the team all along, but no chance that he'll be ready to go. He tore his ACL in March. Yeah, that was a tough one. They did get a replacement for him. Uh, made a deal. Did uh, Lou Lamoureux picked up a pretty useful player by the name of Kyle Palmieri with that cap space. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And we will tell you that uh, she's got some news as of July 1st regarding Mass. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.